Welcome everybody. Thank you for listening to Tools for Life, the Tint podcast. In this episode, my fellow event organizer at Tint and friend Anna Pareira is having an interesting conversation with Vincent Merck about cultural awareness and how this relates to the upcoming event of the celebration of women and girls in science. Vincent is an intercultural trainer and consultant, speaker and author. He has worked more than 35 years at TOE after integrating to the Netherlands coming from France, helping the university and its staff and students being more interculturally aware. These experiences make Vincent an expert on diversity and inclusion and the perfect person to interview on this topic. All info and contact shared during the conversation can be found in the show notes. Are you ready to come along? Okay, thank you so much, Vincent, for accepting our uh, invitation to be here at the Teen Podcast. Um, Vincent is going to be the main speaker of the next edition of the Celebration of Women in Science. And I'm very curious, um, like there's a lot of people that uh, know you because of your vast experience at TUI. Um, but the idea in this uh, episode is to introduce you to the people that don't know you yet and introduce a bit the the theme of interculturalism um, that is going to be the base of, of this edition. But let's start by maybe introducing yourself, Vincent. Thank you, Anna, and thank you, uh, Tint, for this invitation. Uh, myself, well, uh, I'm originally from France, Strasbourg, but uh, I've lived for uh, 41 years in the Netherlands, so I'm quite, I think, clearly well integrated as a whole, <laughs> I would say. Um, I have also have dual nationalities, French and Dutch. I think it's also important as a, you know, as a sign of integration, uh, speak the language uh, uh, well enough, certainly. Uh, that's my background. Um, and I've worked for 38 years at this university, indeed, just retired. Uh, yeah, quite an interesting uh, career that I have. I've done a lot of things at this university. <laughs> and I also worked, I think it's important as well, uh, for what I would call the real world, which is also the, the world of industry and business. I've been also an independent trainer consultant for about 35 years, running my own business in intercultural management, uh, and now with a special focus also on uh, diversity and inclusion. That's my short introduction. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um I guess my first um, question about the topic is why do we need to talk about the subject of interculturality? Yeah, interesting question. <laughs> A short answer would be just uh, look around, look around uh, people, people working together, acting together. Uh, yeah just people together and you can see all kind of uh, disparities uh, lack of uh, lack of what lack lack of awareness cultural awareness lack of uh, knowledge all kind of a uh, reason that that I think uh, makes sense for us to take actions so I think this is just uh, yeah the short answer just look around when people work together in university or outside in the or beyond the university or the, the campus I think there are enough examples of uh, dysfunc dysfunctioning of, uh, of a communication, uh, cooperation. So I think we need to take action, certainly. Yeah. It's becoming more regular that people have to integrate in an international uh, context. Uh, 
from the university, some companies here in the Brainport as well are becoming very international. What are the main challenges that uh, you see in this context at TUE or at Brainport, for example? Yes, in this globalized world, we indeed work, uh, cooperate a lot more, uh, exchange, uh, share lots of uh, lots of things. So we need to, to work more more together certainly. So I think uh, there are a few uh, points of attention. Indeed, you mentioned Brainport, the international community, TUE as well, part of it. Uh, you can see that on various areas, uh, intercultural uh, communication is one aspect also in uh, what we call diversity and inclusion. If you look at all the aspects of diversity, of course, the gender issue is, is one aspect, um, but also generation, for example, uh, ethnic background, uh, clearly. So there are areas what we call intersectionality in, in jargon, where there are, they are need, to, need to take action and focus uh, our attention, actions, certainly. Yeah. Okay, you mentioned intercultural communication. Uh, could you explain that a bit for our audience, please? Well, uh, I think communication is clear. Uh, <laughs> when at least two people uh, speak together, uh, communicate right to one another, that's communication, uh, what you call a dialogue, and the other you have a sender and a receiver, etc. Uh, intercultural is uh, clearly across cultures. So it's not multicultural, which would mean that the, the people are next to one another but don't really communicate. They're the multi, they, they live next to one another. Uh, with little in, in, interaction interference, uh, the inter means that they really have that really go, goes across their their cultures. So they try to communicate, to adapt to one another, uh, possibly integrate, uh, work together, teamwork. This is the inter. So I think this is an, an important aspect of our work and this intercultural communication we want to develop on campus. And uh, we have this multicultural campus. We want to make it intercultural. That's a very important aspect, I think. Yeah. Yeah, actually, that was one of my <laughs> next questions. So thank you for mentioning that. Um, but how can we achieve that communication? Like, um, um, Because, for example, as an international myself uh, that came to the Netherlands, there's always um, that first uh, stereotype that people tell you, oh, the Dutch are very uh, direct and honest, <laughs> uh, yes. which sometimes can be um, tricky for certain cultures that are not so um, so straightforward in their communication. So uh, could you develop a bit that idea of intercultural communication? What does that mean? What can we do with that? Yeah, I think there are, there are three levels. First of all, we have, we have some kind of stereotypes. Yeah, You mentioned that the Dutch are direct. Okay, I think... Clearly, uh, we can we can agree with that in general and uh, generalizing a stereotype generalization and uh, and an exaggeration. So let's let's say the Dutch are direct. Okay, fair enough. Uh, go beyond that, of course. Uh, but it's still useful to have this stereotype because I would always keep saying don't don't reject the stereotype. The stereotype is a very small piece of uh, of reality, but it's it's real. It's uninvented, right? So you're the stereotype. Uh, as a piece of information, don't reject it, but go beyond that and develop what we call intercultural awareness, right? So using this stereotype, think about it and go beyond. When, once you're in the country, you notice that it, it's, yeah, it's a generalization, not everybody's like that. So go beyond and that helps you to develop what, yeah, what we call intercultural awareness. So being aware that there are differences, clear enough. And also trying to respect them, uh, doing this, this cognitive aspect first of recognizing the differences and second 
to respect them, to show tolerance, uh, patience, open-mindedness, empathy, all this kind of perfect attitude towards uh, one another, uh, what we call the, the, the respect uh, um, aspect, and then try to reconcile to uh, develop best practices between the, the people involved in a conversation, communication, work, cooperation, whatever. So try to uh, uh, develop your own best practices and then make sure that you will uh, eventually also use them or share them with others. And that's the, the stage of uh, intercultural awareness. And then the next stage is, which is uh, in a way a logical continuum, is to develop what we call intercultural competence. And that's also part of the part of the what well, I think the game we need to need to play uh, to develop enough competence that uh, people can uh, can act uh, work together uh, teamwork etc and we all have intercultural competence uh, somewhere of course we've developed that if you see on campus here we all have some piece of that but some people have more of it because some people have been exposed their whole lives to uh, other cultures through the their lives as a young person, students, or as an older person. Uh, and some of them have a lot more, of course, intercultural competence, or a lot less or a lot more. I mean, that this is variable, uh, depending on, you, on your life experience. So we, we still need to develop that all because, uh, you know, and along those lines I was saying, I first try to recognize, to accept the differences, appreciate the differences eventually, and uh, try to develop, to reconcile those differences by indeed uh, developing best practices together and make sure that you share those best practices as well. That's that's big. The I would say the the yeah the process to 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 develop um, this intercultural competence. And do you feel that that process um, is being uh, done here at uh, at TUE? It's a it's a personal thing. I think you, you can collectively you can uh, you can uh, uh, try to develop to create the right context for that. Uh, and I've done that my my the, in the past three eight years. I had the chance the challenge also to to help develop uh, kind of a intercultural awareness on campus. Uh, and I think, I think, yeah, it is collectively. You can, you know, stimulate it by organizing all kind of uh, activities around that. And I think Tint is a excellent example of uh, efforts that have been made to to do that. Otherwise, uh, it's also a personal. Uh, it's a personal attitude that you have. It's a competence, a skill, but also an attitude, uh, an attitude that you try to develop. So, the university can organize a, a certain context, certainly for that. Well, maybe we'll talk about that later, uh, the, the, how, what, what is important for this context, but it's also a personal thing. Yeah, so it takes both uh, to, to develop uh, this intercultural competence. Yeah. yeah, I understand that it's a, um, a personal process, of course. There's this concept as well of uh, intercultural leadership, and those are the people that create that environment that stimulates the personal uh, growth of, of students, in this case, for example. Um, and they're here... There has been some, um, sometimes there's a bit of this idea that is changing actually, but uh, there has been this idea that the Dutch are in a way and you just follow the, the you just integrate yourself or you just uh, are a bit left out. Um, of course, this is again a stereotype, it's a, gen a generalization. Uh, I've met a lot of uh, amazing Dutch people that I didn't feel that way, but I've been here for five years now. And for example, there are some institutions, like some student uh, associations, that they're still quite um, 
they, they hold to a certain tradition, a certain way of doing things. And then it's a, a bit hard to even discuss an eventual uh, change. Um, so then it becomes that, that becomes multiculturalism and not interculturalism in these cases. Um, do you did you see the same um, in your uh, years at TUE, um, or maybe it's just a, a personal uh, experience? Yes, uh, what I often say, it takes you to tango. So, of course, the, the international, like you, Anna, and, and many that, I, that I've known uh, on campus and, and beyond in Brainport and uh, in the whole world, so to say, um, they, of course, they, the internationals need, want, need to, to adapt sometime. I always say, be yourself, but adapt. That's a very important uh, attitude, I would say. So, be yourself, certainly. Uh, don't, don't, don't. Uh, I don't know. Don't try to be the Roman in Rome in like two or four, four, four days or months. That's 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 nonsense. So be yourself and adapt. But they, the 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 locals, so to say, should also adapt. We are trying. We are here on an international campus, uh, international community of Brainport. So it, it yeah, as I said, it takes it to tango. Basically, from both sides, you should have some adaptation. Certainly, an international person uh, being a guest in the new culture should do their best to, to adapt clearly. Mm. Uh, but otherwise, again, and uh, the locals should also create indeed this, this nice, this right context for, to help the internationals adapt uh, to, the, to, the new, to their new environment. So clearly, for me, it's a, it's a mutual, uh, mutual effort, mutual process, clearly. And do you see that process happening? Yeah, well, that's, uh, <laughs> yeah, again, uh, collectively, I've seen, uh, I mean, if, if I look at the city of Eindhoven, uh, I've, I've lived in Eindhoven myself for about 30 years, I think now, something like that. Um, I've seen that the city change completely, clearly, uh, uh, Brainport uh, is the word. Um, so clearly, uh, the, the university as well, as part of it, uh, clearly. Uh, the community uh, on campus as well. Uh, we were, we used to be a, a, a purely Dutch university. Uh, we are now uh, an international university, uh, which uh, which uh, means something. Uh, this this multi and, and inter uh, very important. Uh, those b both concepts. So um, yeah, I've seen that change a lot. Yeah, clearly. Yeah, I mean, uh, they, uh, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not perfect. What 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 is perfect anyway? But uh, we still have a long way to go. But uh, if I compare, uh, compare to other communities, to other campuses, other universities in Europe, in the world, I would say, uh, yeah, we're on, we on the right way. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's good to hear. <laughs> Please. Um, and do you, do you think that that change um, brought everyone uh, with it? Because um, sometimes you are in this environment of the campus or the high-tech campus as well, and... In those spaces, uh, an international environment is quite common. So people are already more aware, more competent to, to deal with the differences. But for example, when you go, when you try to go into the community of the city of Eindhoven, um, the situation sometimes becomes um, a bit different. Sometimes the levels of English are different as well. And um, it seems that sometimes it seems there are two worlds uh, in different uh, speeds here in Eindhoven. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I, I see that uh, regularly in the city, outside, uh, certainly. I think Jeroen Deisselblum, the new mayor, said that recently in an interview quite well. I think we should be able, we should uh, be careful to integrate everybody. I didn't say that like that, but basically was the message. And I and I replied to this comment, it was on LinkedIn, uh, a post, and I, I replied by saying, indeed, by trying to include people, we also exclude others. But trying to include our community here on campus, uh, our international, the, the international and the, and the locals, the national, so to say, we uh, more or less unconsciously uh, sometimes also exclude others. And if you go to the city, certainly there there is a part of the of the inhabitants of Eindhoven who also feel uh, certainly excluded because they're not part of this international process of Brainport. And Brainport for them means. Um, yeah, that means either nothing or as a negative connotation because they feel excluded from the, let's say, the local, uh, so to say, local life. So we need to be very careful in that. Yeah, I mean, if I if I uh, limit myself to the campus, um, then it's probably easier, uh, more, uh, more tangible, visible. Uh, to identify uh, actions that need to be taken because we have this community together, but it's uh, it's diverse, but it's still very uh, professional, uh, young people. Uh, it's just a, it's an academic uh, environment. We know that, uh, but if you go to the yeah the, again the real world uh, out uh, beyond outside the campus, then uh, it's another story. And then I think we should also certainly pay attention to that. Uh, the question is, uh, who is, uh, who is? Yeah, I think we all stakeholders in this process. Uh, pay attention and and, t- and take the right actions to also integrate the local population. Certainly, yeah, because, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, join forces uh, would be the another slogan here, and uh, certainly that can help to make make a better life for everybody. And uh, this, this kind of well-being concept. Maybe we'll talk about that later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Can, could be the internationals making that bridge. What could internationals do to uh, maybe adapt to to that community at large beyond the campus? Yeah, good question. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah many of us have this kind of intermediary uh, in between function. Uh, international certainly uh, uh, those who want because not everybody wants of course or needs uh, but those who want to adapt uh, to 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 adapt locally. Uh, learn the language, for example, uh, the culture goes, that, that goes together. So certain people, certainly, uh, and I think we have those mentors, uh, different functions that, uh, in, in academia of people trying to, to be in between. Uh, certainly they have. Uh, I also think teachers, uh, all, all teachers, uh, but also uh, administrative staff, uh, everybody who wants uh, to, to do something, as it should, should certainly those you know those good uh, what do you call that good, those good uh, those having a, the the wish the desire to to help uh, people integrate I think we all should yeah, join forces and uh, yeah so internationals yes but also also nationals also locals both uh, again, again it takes you to tango here I think, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think there's always a question of uh, uh, language I think probably that's a, um, a f- for example for me it's a big barrier. Dutch is not an easy language to to, uh, to learn. Um, how could um, yeah, uh, especially you have you had to learn Dutch as well as a, an international. Any tips that you have for the internationals struggling to? 
Yeah. To, <laughs> to, to, <laughs> to learn the Dutch language. <laughs> Long story. Uh, it's, it's, it's a, let's put it this way. For, it's a personal story, right? It's a, first of all, uh, okay, uh, yeah. First of all, I think uh, you need you need to be given. I think fifty percent of the of the of the of the learning process. Fifty percent is the equipment, the context that you're given. Right, uh, locally, uh, are you in the situation? Are you are you motivated to to learn the language? Are you in the situation to that you need to learn the language? Do you want indeed? Do you need? You must whatever the situation. Okay, uh, and the other fifty percent is certainly uh, somehow I would say you your personal talent uh, for languages or not your openness for that you your will motivation as well here but also your own talent are you good at languages or not yeah that also may help yeah so you you must be given the the tools for that and you must have your own motivation and uh, hopefully some talent that's the general context uh, if i speak of myself when i when, yeah when i arrived in the netherlands as a, as a student a uh, long time ago uh, i already spoke dutch because i had taken dutch as a minor uh, next to my 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 studies in france and in the netherlands so i was uh, i yeah, took uh, dutch as a minor first and then I, I had this scholarship to to come and work in the netherlands study in the netherlands and then i stayed etc but um so i, I spoke dutch already so for me, uh, and 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 speaking English and German, Dutch, I must say, was quite easy to learn. <laughs> so if you speak German and English, uh, Dutch is, is I would relatively easy. I don't think it's so difficult, but okay, that's uh, my personal experience and <laughs> and uh, and opinion. So um, again, it's about the context, your motivation. The, the main problem that I hear all the time is that the, the, the international say, well, look, I try to learn Dutch, but, you know, whenever I, I start to speak Dutch, they, they all switch to English. I think it's a very bad attitude from the Dutch, from the majority <laughs> here, uh, to, to switch to English. I think at, as soon as you have a little bit uh, enough uh, conversation level for Dutch, you should certainly impose, uh, impose that you want to speak Dutch. And it's, a, again, a very bad, bad service. Uh, that from the from the local that say oh don't, you don't you don't need to learn Dutch uh, to speak English to me this is a very bad attitude I'm, I'm really if sometimes irritated by this attitude of the of the locals uh, saying you don't need to learn Dutch no no you can survive with English well that's what I keep saying uh, labor over labor clearly you can survive with English uh, on campus certainly but real life is no doubt in a, in a, in any country in any culture real life is in the local language or languages so. Uh, yeah, I would certainly, uh, yeah, certainly what I would certainly re recommend stimulate uh, uh, people, uh, internationals, uh, uh, whomever, to learn the local language. In this case, to learn Dutch, that helps you certainly uh, adapt and integrate. Yeah. But on the other hand, that uh, local attitude that you're uh, talking about can be seen as well as um, a welcoming uh, way, an attempt of local people to. Uh, to make that bridge that we have been talking about. So then it becomes a bit confusing as well um, for Dutch people. Like, uh, what should I do then? <laughs> should I speak English and make someone feel welcome? Should I try to impose a bit of uh, my language and culture? It becomes a, a quite um, hard process to, to navigate. And I think that's one of the reasons why um, we wanted to, to talk about this topic this year. Um, it, it's... 
we we can have all these uh, generalizations and and uh, um, and big words like empathy and diversity and inclusion, but how do we translate that into the reality, in, into our daily life? How can a, a professor that has, uh, I don't know, 100 students in front of them, uh, that half are Dutch, some are from Asia, some are from uh, South America, some are other European countries that all have different backgrounds, different uh, uh, communication styles, how can how can a, a professor, for example, uh, manage that, or how can a a manager in a, a high tech campus that um, can manage all the creativity from different sides of the world to bring the new innovation to this area? That's how this conversation becomes very very hard to yeah. grasp. <laughs> yeah, Anna, yes. Now you you're touching on a on an aspect I was going to introduce anyway and huh? this aspect of diversity and inclusion huh? and I uh, t- talking about a, a professor, a teacher, lecturer having this uh, classroom in front of of them and saying what do I, what should I do with that now? <laughs> half uh, half half whatever, yeah. Diverse by nationalities, ethnic background, but also uh, gender, uh, generation possibly as well. So what do you do about that? This is what we call the international classroom and that concept of the international classroom. And what do you do with that? Yeah, this is what you would call the diversity, the diversity but which you do not create. Sometimes you create the diversity like... like um, TUE did on the gender issue to have more uh, female scientists. That's one aspect. Usually, you don't need to create diversity here on campus. It is present, at least uh, in, in, uh, on the intercultural uh, ethnic background level. So what you do then in this digital classroom, you need to identify those various levels of diversity, uh, which I, I named already, and certainly the international uh, background international uh, context of the of this uh, classroom and what do you do with that uh, you need you, you need to make sure that there is some inclusion efforts made so you try for example uh, when you have when you when you give uh, let's say uh, project work group work that you make sure that you mix the groups for example because if you don't do anything about it you will have the people creating a multicultural classroom you here will have the Chinese in one corner, the Indian in another one, the Mexican, the whatever, another one, and the Dutch somewhere in the middle as well, also sticking together because they feel comfortable this way. Your comfort zone is clearly within your own culture. So uh, a lecturer here needs to take actions to make sure he or she creates some kind of inclusion and by mixing groups, for example, by making people aware about it. I come back to the, the first aspect of, the, of this conversation. Uh, this model of, a, let's say, developing intercultural competence and make sure that there's some awareness uh, from the people, that they indeed develop some empathy, open-mindedness, etc. And this will to, to cooperate uh, in, in group or in project work. So make sure that you, you uh, create this environment, uh, this, this intercultural environment uh, of diversity and inclusion, uh, what we call psychological safety, uh, sense of belonging, all those concepts. So make sure that you create that in the classroom. And this is certainly your role as a lecturer. And this is this concept of inter- intercultural classroom, international classroom. And this has been done here. You can see that uh, consciously or unconsciously on campus, but there's still a lot of work to do in that aspect, certainly, and that's the integration of, uh, into the community. But, for example, you, you talk about um, awareness and, um, of course, part of that awareness is going to be a, a result of the experience and the exposure to, to cultures, to different cultures. Um, but there's a, 
is there a way beyond experience uh, that that cultural awareness could could start uh, being built up inside of our, of ourselves? For example, um, when someone told me about these um, high context, low context cultures, um, that made immediately sense for me and and uh, help me uh, maybe navigate this type of communication because although it's based on stereotypes and each person is a case of course uh, but as you said as well stereotypes sometimes help in this case to navigate at first in these relationships um, so uh, what, what I'm trying to ask is that what are these kind of concepts that could help at first someone uh, navigating these dynamics um, besides these for example, these low, high-context cultures. Yeah, <clears throat> there is uh, what we call a paradigm, and the diversity and inclusion is one of the paradigms. I wrote this article on uh, extending the paradigm. So you start indeed with, uh, with a few concepts here. You start with this diversity, uh, which I mentioned uh, a minute ago, that you're in front of you, right? Uh, that you inherit. Uh, it's, 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 it's an act of nature in a way. It's a, it's a fact uh, that you have in front of you in this international classroom and you want to create uh, inclusion. That's more of an act. Uh, diversity is a fact. Inclusion is an act. And you need to take action, make choices to do that, like this lecturer in, uh, in, his, in, in their class. Answers. Um, and then you try to indeed go beyond that and uh, f further deeper the, 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 the let's say, the, the process and try to create a, a sense of belonging. A sense of belonging. This is certainly takes two here again to create that. Uh, you have to have the right environment, which we call uh, psychological safety. If I, if I define psychological safety in a, in a classroom, that's, for example, that... Everybody feels uh, when doing some uh, yeah, brainstorm sessions or project work, everybody feels safe to to ask the yeah maybe stupid question, but to ask questions that you feel safe, comfortable uh, in your environment, uh, mentally, psychologically, to yeah to indeed ask questions, to to cooperate, uh, work with others, and that you you feel this. Uh, this safe environment, uh, feeling happy, feeling uh, comfortable, and that leads uh, ultimately to the what what we call the well-being. Another concept, uh, the ultimate level of integration would be well-being, in which it's a collective but also individual well-being. It's physical and mental, so it has four aspects. Uh, this well-being, and that's what we're doing. Uh, what they are doing a lot here on campus as well. And trying to create a, a, the well-being for for the students, for the for the for the for the staff as well, in which we create uh, this integration process. So, starting from diversity, you ultimately will reach uh, some kind of well-being, again, individual, but also collective, mental, and physical. And that's uh, in a way the ideal picture and the ultimate level of of, uh, of integration. Yeah, adaptation, even integration. So that takes a few stages, uh, which I mentioned: diversity, inclusion, sense of uh, sense of belonging, and ultimately uh, well-being. It's just it's a, it's a paradigm that you can indeed extend and deepen and broaden up as well. Yeah, it's it's in the depth and in the in the broad sense as well. But again, to to you need to leave that paradigm. Or you need to be exposed to that paradigm yeah. to actually uh, create that uh, uh, awareness. Um, and I'm not looking for, for a magic recipe, but uh, um, <laughs> here. But basically, in my experience in Tint, um, 
is that sometimes when you talk with uh, uh, some groups, especially um, um, Dutch students, they are quite used to, to a bit of a Dutch bubble. Um, they Their actions might be seen um, as unwelcoming, but they don't even notice that. It's just, they are just, uh, it's just a pattern of imitation of, of their experience. And my question here is how can we um, break uh, this bubble? Because um, the engineers of today are probably going to be the leaders of tomorrow. And you might have or not have this international competence when you leave TUE, because it really depends on the department and on the, and on the degrees. Uh, for example, biomedical uh, engineering is still a Dutch-based uh, degree, yeah. uh, for instance. So it really depends um, uh, the, the experience uh, that students have here. But they, they have to be the leaders of tomorrow. They might have an international team in their hands tomorrow. How can we make this breach without necessarily make people uh, leave that paradigm that you are talking about? Yeah, you're, you're touching on an important aspect, that uh, the aspect of integration, the integration process, hmm? <clears throat> in this diversity and inclusion uh, process. Everywhere in the world, I would say, the locals are, <laughs> are the bad players because the locals, uh, they have their own lives. They've, they find nice to be with an international in class, but at 5 o'clock, it's to take the Netherlands and they leave at 5, 5.30 <laughs> early. Uh, uh, they go to their other life, their real life. So they, they, they like uh, this inter international uh, campus. Um, Opens up so clearly some uh, some perspectives uh, in the in the future international career because as a Dutch engineer you will have an international career I think this is a given more or less so why don't you that's why I keep I kept saying why don't you start now already on campus uh, to integrate in the international campus international uh, community I said oh yeah oh, yeah that's a good idea <laughs> anyway the the locals have their own life so they. They like it, this international, but not, not, they also go to their own life. So you cannot blame them in a way because they, they have a, another life. But still, you need to identify those, you were mentioning those could, could be, be bridging, uh, those in between. There are enough uh, of those, those locals who also want to help so identify them, like you in Tint. Uh, you are clearly <laughs> uh, an integration uh, factor uh, for the community. So those who want to, to help uh, create this, this nice environment, indeed uh, the, the right context for, for integration, that's the need to, to take from the, the nationals, yes, say, uh, the locals, uh, who again, everywhere in the world I've been... Um, on campuses and companies, whatever. Uh, yeah, locals are very often the biggest obstacle <laughs> to uh, to integrate into community because they don't need that, they don't feel that. Huh? So you, you were mentioning that uh, very often they, they don't need, they don't want to. And, and, and indeed, the leaders of tomorrow, they will have, uh, we, are now, uh, we are now educating the, the engineer of tomorrow, uh, who needs to be, of course, digitally and technically completely competent, but also certainly uh, culturally uh, competent. Uh, he or she needs to be able to work in an international context, whether it's from home or whether it is uh, outside uh, in a foreign country. So the, I think a Dutch engineer, if, you, if I, we only restrict it to engineering, has no choice but trying to uh, start integrating right from the beginning, uh, integrating at least opening up and uh, developing cultural awareness from the beginning because he or she will have a career like that. 
Yeah, so that's why I kept saying, start now on campus. We are helping you. And I, I was a coach, a professional coach for, for many years uh, at the end of my career and uh, for the, the PDN, uh, which is called uh, engineering, uh, professional engineering. Um, so I, I, yeah, I tried to adapt that to, to apply that to, to the context. And I, I think we were quite successful in uh, in having a lot of lot of those uh, PDA engineers, uh, professional doctorate engineers, staying after work, uh, you know, staying in, in the Netherlands and in Brainport. So I think, of course, the ultimate goal is to have all the talent stay here. <laughs> we know that for for Brainport. Yeah, there's also a clear. Uh, economic aspect to all of that, and let's be clear about that. Uh, it's not only just for the for the heck of it. We do, we we do that, yeah. The economic aspect as well. We need engineers uh, here in Brainport and in the Netherlands in general. But it seems that although there's a need for it, sometimes it's a bit hard to uh, keep that talent here, <laughs> as far as I've heard. Besides Tiwi, what could maybe Brainport? Um, <laughs> Do to, to retain their talent. Yeah. Okay. That's another aspect. <laughs> I, I worked also for the the last years. I worked in a, in a workforce with Brainport on keeping international talent uh, the, at on, on uh, in, in Brainport. To, to, uh, we we used to, to work with uh, with obtain, train, and retain. So obtain, we have no problem to obtain all the students nowadays, and they all want to come to TUE. Uh, we are we we train them uh, to be an engineer, but also an engineer, as I said, with a some kind of a broad scope, uh, able to, to work internationally in society, in international context of uh, society, not only in a, in a lab. Um, and we also need to retain them. Certainly, as I mentioned, it's an economic reason as well. So, uh, yeah, clearly, uh, I think we're doing our best at TUE. That's one aspect. Certainly, there are other aspects, as we know, uh, a shortage in housing, clearly. Very big issue at the moment in Indonesia and in the Netherlands as a whole. Uh, other aspects of integration, we may, we talk about that in, in the city. Uh, not everybody feels welcome all the time uh, in the city. Certainly, there are some. There is a case of discrimination. Clearly, uh, when people work together, there is discrimination. There is abuse, etc., etc. So we only a reflection of society. So we can work on that. Uh, certainly, uh, it takes all of us uh, to join forces, and there are enough workforces and uh, and work groups uh, within uh, Brainport. Uh, certainly, we all have. Maybe we we we're lacking a bit of a coordination of all those efforts. Also on campus, I still feel sometimes there is a lack of coordination. Everybody does things, but we don't have like a, a very central point where we can all find information and activities that may be something something lacking still so uh it's it's a long journey yeah? uh, and it takes all everyone to yeah to do their best to to reach uh, this this well-being yeah? uh, at the ultimate level okay um so i guess we we covered um quite some basic concepts about this um this conversation um Anything that uh, you are missing? Yeah, I wish uh, we're talking about process. I mean, let maybe just point out one thing that I uh, that, I, that I like at the moment that I'm concentrating on. The TU is very hot on challenge-based learning, mm -hmm. right? CBL, and I've I've seen and I've tried talked to people. I've wrote uh, things about it, articles about this convergence between challenge-based learning and uh, diversity and inclusion. I, I, I see a very clear convergence between both. 
challenge-based learning if applied correctly, which means interculturally, interdisciplinarily, and that's very important that there's interdisciplinary um, uh, in the in the game. That can be an extreme uh, drive factor for integration because when people work together, uh, trying to 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 solve the societal challenge they're working on, uh, students, for example, in a class in a group, this is extremely integrating as an integrating uh, force, uh, in, innovative and. Uh, and certainly inclusive. Uh, so if you apply that correctly, with a clear awareness of developing also intercultural competence, this can be a very a very good instrument. So I'm, I'm really happy with this uh, with this development at the moment at TUE about the challenge-based learning. I think not everybody is happy about that. Certainly, uh, again, that's uh, that's clear. But I see this as a uh, as a as an inclusive factor uh, for on campus to develop uh, inclusion adaptation integration ultimately uh, in, a, in a pedagogical approach as it is yeah that's something i wanted to mention yeah indeed yeah i i think it's um yeah personally i like the cbl uh, uh way of of learning uh because it kind of resembles a bit what you can find um in the real world um but in my experience at least uh there's a bit of a tendency to just um uh, push the students into the unknown and now figure out <laughs> what is going to uh, happen or how you're going to manage, which on one hand can be quite interesting because it's a way of learning as well. On the other hand, could be um, a way of perpetuating bad patterns. So, um, do mm, you yes. <laughs> uh, do you think that maybe there could be a step in between um, where international uh, awareness and competences and also uh, more practical things of uh, team dynamics could be um, taught between, yeah, be, or before students yeah. are, are thrown into the deep. Yeah, uh, we, we're going back to the to those concepts uh, we were talking about in the past half an hour. Uh, uh, if you apply CBL, which is a, in, indeed a, a very interesting pedagogical approach, uh, and, and you make it an inclusive uh, process by indeed uh, also applying and uh, keeping in mind applying what, uh, what we were talking about. So this intercultural awareness, etc., trying to make a group, a class for multi to intercultural and uh, make sure that everybody integrates into groups, work together, uh, break down the barriers, the stereotypes, uh, the biases we all have, conscious of unconscious. We didn't talk about that, but that's another to topic. And uh, those biases we all have. So um, yeah, and this is again certainly the I would say the role, the function of the of, of the lecture, of the teacher, of the leader. Uh, talking about leadership, of the leader in class or uh, in, a, in a in a department, whatever, uh, to make sure that this this is applied uh, uh, rightly. Hmm? Again, those two processes, CBL and DNI, can create an, an almost inclusive process at the end uh, of the day, and that can, uh, yeah, that will certainly develop this sense of belonging, uh, at least on campus, for international and national students, uh, and that can be uh, again a, a drive for extending that beyond the classroom, but also on campus in general, 
Uh, but let's start with the classroom, which is basically our our work uh, as lecturers, uh, or in the, in the lab if you are a researcher. Both both the sites and uh, the innovation space is of course a, a wonderful instrument uh, on campus that we have now. Uh, so that's the the place certainly international classroom and innovation space are the, the two the two places to to have this uh, this integration uh, process clearly. I think uh, we covered the basis. This is a very uh, it's a long discussion. We could uh, talk uh, much more about it. How uh, are you feeling about the celebration of women in science? Am I, yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've been doing a lot of thinking about it uh, this this day. I think it's an excellent uh, initiative, certainly. Uh, this uh, It's exactly what I keep saying often start you know on a small scale to start with yourself uh, the self-reflection and then try to to expand that to to the other groups uh, to a group uh, you have the the wise uh, beyond and tint event uh, i think this is an excellent initiative uh, it shows joint forces because we are all in the same boat so to say yeah? so uh, join forces to create something of a of the, of the right the right environment clearly and that's that's important thing and i think this can hopefully contribute to to developing this awareness first of all uh, uh, very often unfortunately you reach also only those converted and you pre to the converted in such an such an event clearly uh, uh, we need to reach out to the others, uh, the 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 big uh, the big number of uh, of uh, students or staff who don't really want to integrate because they they don't really need to. So we have to create this this awareness also with them, and this is the this is the big challenge certainly. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the reasons for joining forces to try to reach out as many people as as possible. Excellent. Um, but yeah, but I'm uh, very curious to, to hear uh, your lecture. Uh, we covered just uh, the, the topics of interculturalism more in general because uh, the connection uh, with STEM will be um, done in that event and we didn't want to spoil uh, <laughs> your lecture. <laughs> no, no. But uh, I wanted to thank you so much for uh, this uh, very nice conversation. And I want to invite uh, everyone in our audience to just uh, come. On February 14th, we know that it's Valentine's Day. But that could be uh, a good a good way of spending your evening uh, with all of us um, in auditorium. Uh, have a nice dinner, a nice lecture by Vincent Merck, and then a nice panel discussion uh, with all these uh, bridge builders that we talked about as well. So we will have people from uh, the student academia and uh, um, high tech campus and municipality, uh, so we can discuss a bit more how to translate all these concepts into uh, good practices for our daily lives so i hope to all to see you there once again thank you so much uh, vincent <laughs> yeah thank you thank you and i think you tint uh, again uh, it's valentine's day so i would say bring your partner with you uh, that's uh, <laughs> an excellent way to start integrating if needed also interculturally so uh, yeah see you all there and uh, thank you for this uh, occasion uh, to opportunity to express my view thank you tint <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Tools for Life, the TIN podcast. If you like this episode, don't forget to subscribe to the TIN podcast and find more information about what TIN is up to on our website, tint-eindhoven.nl or by following us on Facebook and Instagram. If you have a question for Vincent yourself, 
Want to learn more on the topic of cultural awareness or want to join us for a wonderful event shining some well-deserved attention towards the ladies in our academic world? Then definitely come and join us. The celebration of women and girls in science is on the 14th of February, starting at 6 p.m. with a wonderful buffet. All info and contacts shared during our conversation and the ticket page for the event can be found in the show notes. My name is Casper de Bruin and Anna and I look forward to having you with us for the next episode. 